Welcome to the Grotto Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Yu. I'm Steve. This is Josh Lowe, the producer. And, you know, we just thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we really had a fun time the last time doing it, and we covered a really broad range of topics. Um, so I thought it would be really kind of poignant to talk about what's kind of happening right now in, in the States, what's happening in America, um, obviously with COVID-19 and also a lot of the riots and a lot of the uh, racial movements that are being uh, happening in, in the States. So let's like right off the bat, um, talk a little bit about that. So um, Steve, what are your thoughts on um, on kind of what's happening with the, the pandemic and the source of it uh, from a spiritual perspective? <laughs> well, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know where the source, I mean, right. a lot of people say it's from China, but some say the North American COVID-19 strain is from Europe. Somebody mm -hmm. came, somebody from Europe came and so I'm actually, I've actually encountered like racism for the first time in Vancouver. Oh, really? Past 20, I've been, I've been living here for 22 years and then in the last month I have had three instances of guys and mind you they're probably on drugs but they were like i'm gonna send you back home to china really wow yeah what and happened? i well i mean i'm a big guy i'm six one 200 pounds the guy was five four right and homeless or probably on drugs or something so i didn't really do anything i just kind of smirked but i saw another guy actually throw a rock at an asian woman Wow. Yeah, riding her bike and actually hit her bike. And so I called the police on him. And mm. But yeah, so it's like, so, I mean, that's kind of off topic, you know, where COVID-19 comes from, racism and all that. But what's happening in America is quite interesting. And from, you know, I have some friends in America who are Christian yeah. friends. And man, it's really crazy what's happening over there why they make everything such a political issue mm. like wearing masks it's like i don't understand like you know the government is trying to deceive them everything is a conspiracy theory and mm -hmm. like come on man <laughs> just wear your damn mask right. i said damn sorry dang <laughs> i i mean it's just kind of like i don't know what's i don't know what's happening over there it's just so when people think irrationally like I think some there's some kind of like spiritual forces in the air. Something is like making their minds not think rationally. I don't I don't understand. So, um, yeah. And then what's happening with the racism and George Floyd? I mean that tore me to pieces. Right. You know, uh, I when I was growing up in uh, Toronto, I lived in the in the projects. Um, almost ninety percent of my friends were Jamaican. Hmm. So. And then I go to Africa, and I have a lot of friends in Africa. And, right. And so it's, I, when I saw George Floyd, you know, he reminded me of my friends or like a brother right. from uh, brother from another mother from Africa. Mm -hmm. So I just, it tore me up. Um, I think that's just pure evil. When people think like there's no evil in the world, you know, everything is just, you know, relative, I think. Well, look what happened to George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Then you know there's evil. Like, that's pure racism. And and I don't want to get all controversial, but Black Lives Matter 
And the reason we have to say that is because black lives didn't matter for the longest time. Hmm. And you have to swing the pendulum to a certain, like it's been swung to a degree where other lives matter so much and black lives and uh, mattered so less, so little. And if you know the history of America, um, there's actually a good movie if you want to just know the basic. I told I told my kids to watch it. And Netflix called the Thirteenth. The Thirteenth. Heard a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just a short history of like why uh, they're after post slavery. You know, the 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 white man and women, you know, oppress black people through like law and order. So when you hear Trump or any American leader say law and order, that's like a clarion call to all the races. Hmm. It's like hearkening back to a time when they use law and order to uh, systemically oppress black people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For crossing the street and putting, locking them up in prisons and then using them as de facto labor force. Mm -hmm. So it's enslavement through law and order. So that's why people need to get educate themselves and see what's happening and why, why there's such a protest and oppress uh, there because of the oppression. So, man, I think I said too much. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, but you know, I think it's I just went right into the controversial topics. <laughs> I was, you know, I, <laughs> well, it's just, you know, it's, it's just something so top of mind right now. And I think a lot of Christians are struggling with what to, you know, what to, what to think and what to believe and, and mm -hmm. kind of, you're getting all this uh, information, all this stuff coming from social media and different kinds of uh, sources. And like you said, everything is really politicalized, uh, you know, and so it's really and it's feeling really polarizing, you know, about, you know, looking at it from one uh, perspective or another perspective. And, you know, I kind of question why, um, like why we're in like why humanity and why we're in this kind of situation right now and how, uh, you know, we should respond as as, uh, you know, as as Christians, as people that um, are supposed to, you know, be like Christ, try to be as uh, Christ-like as possible. Like, how would Jesus um, react to these things right now? And, you know, I, I've been pondering that question. Um, and so just it'd be, it'd be good to try, to try to sort it out a little bit, right? Well, I think the ultimate goal of Christ is like reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And redemption. Redemption right. is like restoring everything back to what was intended. Right. So division among races is not what was intended from the original mandate or creation. Hmm. So whenever you see something that is um, contrary to what he intended, then that's what he's going to try to restore. Okay. So the whole earth is about restoration and redemption. Right. And then, you know, breaking down dividing walls and bring reconciliation amongst people. So in heaven, there's, you know, every tongue and nation, that's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. So we are going to have different colors, different races, ethnic, ethnos in heaven. We're not going to be just all these ethereal lights of beings. We're going to actually be people. There's going to be diversity. Yeah, there's going to be diversity. And, harm, and then the harmony... Uh, every tongue and nation, you know, worshiping Jesus. So uh, as Christians, we need to always strive for re reconciliation. Mm. Yet at the same time, like Jesus stood for justice. Mm. 
right. and oppression, right? So uh, the word for justice in the Hebrew is called mishpat, M-I-S-P-H-A-T. So it's not just like uh, making right a wrong. It's that also includes, and included in that is like kindness to people who cannot um, provide for themselves, like widows and orphans. Right. So in the Old Testament, or in that in that time, if a widow can, widow, if a widow was widowed, <laughs> her husband passed away, she has no recourse. She has no way of providing for herself, or you know, a, a orphan has no way to eat. Right. So justice actually in the Hebrew means. Uh, bringing, bringing not only what is what has been wrong to a place of rightness, mm -hmm. but it's also like showing kindness, going beyond that. Hmm. So, as a Christian, you have to stand for justice. When there's oppression of a whole group of people, right? Then you have to stand. You have to protest. Mm -hmm. That's why Christians are called the pro Protestants, the protesters. But yet, you, you got to go beyond the protest. Uh, you have to show some kindness and mercy and some provision. So the problem that's happening in the world, mm -hmm. not just America, is that the 90% of the world is suffering because the 10% of the world is not showing true justice. Hmm. They're not showing like kindness to the orphans and the widows and the mm -hmm. people who cannot, who are, who are living like uh, with a dollar a day. Uh, and the people who are living in the inner cities of America mm -hmm. Um, that have no way of providing for their five kids or four kids right. on like $12 an hour. Mm -hmm. So, and you can't blame them for uh, like for the desperation that they have mm -hmm. when the church has to actually engage in that environment and show true justice, uh, show some support for the widows, take care of them, for the people who can't take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. That's why this is happening, because the church is, I think, it's indictment on the Christians. Whenever you see injustice in all these things, it's, it's, a, it's like the symptom of a disease. Hmm. And we are called as Christians to cure the disease, hmm. right? But we have not done our job. We live in our bubbles. We go to our church. You go to some churches in America, it's like a mall. There's movie theaters, bowling alleys. Right. And there's like gymnasiums, mm -hmm. but I, sometimes I wonder like, and they're suburbs, nice neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, why not build that in the inner cities? Mm -hmm. Why not invest some of that money? I'm just speaking. Out, I'm I'm saying so many controversial things right now. <laughs> are we gonna post this? <laughs> yes, I'm a little scared. Are. Yeah. <laughs> but know. I don't want to hate mail. But I'm just saying that's the truth, man. I'm, I've always thought that. Mm -hmm. Uh, lived in America, and I just every block there's like a mega church or a church and huge churches. And I know right. there's awesome churches in America, mind you. Yeah, there's amazing churches that are in the inner city working. But I'm just saying, uh, the church has to wake up and and actually engage mm -hmm. and show true justice, show some kindness, and uh, so that so that you know, it's like treat. It's, it's like treating your body well. You can't feel it right away, but eventually you'll see the fruits of it. Yeah. Uh, so you have to you have to treat your city. You have to treat the people well, and then you'll see the fruits of it later. Right. 
So when you say the church needs to wake up, does that apply to the church as a whole, say mainly in North America, since most of these issues are kind of coming from North America, or where, where's the state of the church like globally? Well, I, I don't really know globally, but I just know churches that I've visited in Asia, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Africa, Brazil. And I know that those churches, uh, I don't want to say they're like the true church, <laughs> but that's why I love going to Africa, man. I love going to Brazil. My friends in Brazil, I love going to Asia. I mean, they're, they're they like... differently. Well, they've they're sacrificing everything for for the gospel. Yeah, they're it's, they're not a once a week like Christian. You know, once once one hour a Sunday. Hey, I, I gave my one hour a Sunday, and I gave like barely my two percent of tithe or whatever. Right. Uh, but like in Africa, and there's a prayer meeting and a service every day. Wow. Hmm. Not like. Once a week, every day. When I go to Africa, I do a conference. I'm preaching six hours every day. Hmm. On a Sunday, I can go to like three, four. I'm tired. I can't do. I just go to maybe two, <laughs> two or three, and then right. there's like desperate people wanting you to pray for them. And um, you know, in Brazil, they're like, you know, singing and dancing. Come on, man. Hmm. It's like two hours. That's like, that's the that's the main show. Mm-hmm. That's worshiping God. So, and and what they do in the, in terms of like, social justice or, you know, a friend of mine, you know, he has a church in Rio near the favelas, so he's providing, mm-hmm. and he, he actually, uh, renovates homes, in the in the mm-hmm. inner city like. And I went to one of those homes that they renovated. It's like the nicest home in the whole ghetto. Hmm. And and people are like just gravitate towards that. And these are young people. They don't have a lot of money, but they put in their time. They hmm. that's their project every summer, right? Renovate as many homes as possible. In Africa, they're feeding as many people as possible. There's so much desperation. Uh in China, some churches cannot meet publicly. So I remember one lady invited me to her underground service underground church service and i asked her when do you meet and she said when do you want to come so we went on like this for like through a translator i said when do you want when do you when do you when do you meet and she said when do you want to come they make it happen right no she just said we meet every day (laughs) five six seven eight nine ten when do you want to come wow like that's what they do every day so i'm just Mm -hmm. like it put me to shame Really? You know, like it put me to shame that like I sometimes complain about like when I was a pastor, that one sermon I had to prepare like 20, 20 hour, prep, 20, 30 hour preparation for this sermon and then one and a half hour service. And then I remember when I church services, I remember I just wanted to make a statement. So I just I said, our services are like going to be two hours long. And you know how many people complained? I'm like, it's too long. Mm-hmm. Your sermons are too long. The worship is like an hour. Why can't we have 15 minutes? Because I was trying to tell them, like, the Sabbath, Sunday, is not an hour. Mm-hmm. It's actually a day. You're, to, you're actually supposed to give the whole day to God. Mm-hmm. You can't even give an hour. 
So this is me post path pastoring, just kind of venting. Come on, people. Right. <laughs> so do you think twenty minutes? <laughs> do you think people here in the West are you know kind of spiritually lazy? Then would you say like is that is that is that this rude or is hmm. no? I don't think it's spiritually lazy. I just okay. don't think that they're a, uh, they're woke. You know, my kids would say they're woke. Okay. They're not. A, they're not awake. They're not. It's not. A, it's not a condemnation, but it's they're not awake to the aliveness of Jesus. Mm. They like they know about Jesus. They know about all the tenets and the truth, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know Christ mm. in the way that like is alive and so Jesus is the most attractive, exciting. And the person alive on the planet. Mm -hmm. The Bible is supposed to be the most exciting book ever read because it's not information, it's revelation. Mm. The Bible is supposed to speak to you about things from heaven to like change your life. But as people don't know how to read the Bible, that's why. It's not a condemnation. I, as a minister, have done not a good job then because people, if people are bored of, church and reading the bible uh and all they have for going to church is like i just have i just have some i all they can say is oh i have a good community well you can go to a community club mm -hmm. you can go to a community yeah. center you can have a social club you can have a wine club you can have a book club and do the same thing right but why go to church mm -hmm. because it's where you meet christ in a way that's going to change your life it's like he's real mm -hmm. right so when i that's why i love traveling i mean I know I could see in these people's eyes like Christ is so real. They'll like, they're gonna give their lives for it, for Him, and so mm -hmm. it challenges me. I get so much more out of it than they're expecting me to give them the word, but I get so much out of it. Sometimes I just tell my wife, I'm like, let's just move to Africa, man, China or Brazil or somewhere. Let's just go there and just give our lives. We may just do that. I don't know, but I'm just saying, people are not people. It's not a condemnation, so don't think that i'm judging christians i could see the malaise that's happening even in my life if living here so much comfort so much abundance so much food so much netflix so much now that we have netflix and we have so many streaming now i found vpn i could like stream hulu who knew right right so but i don't but i'm just saying there's so much plethora of so much yeah like we we just get so distracted and we don't know the beauty of what it is to be a Christian. That's one of the things that drives me nuts when I go to church. Sometimes I go to church. I, I visited many churches post-pastoring and I see so many, uh, I, so many people's faces and their eyes so kind of dead hmm. at church. And I can see if you're like new to Christianity. But, you know, I brought new people, like people who are not Christians to church. And they're more excited. They're like, wow, something new. What is this? Yeah. They're excited. My daughter brought her non-Christian friend to church. And she was like, her eyes were like glistening with excitement. Like, what is this? This is exciting. Wow. Why are you guys worship? Why are you guys singing these awesome songs? What is this? I like that song. Mm. Yeah. But I, you see the Christians, they're like sitting down, looking at their phones. Or they're just standing. They're not singing. I know some people are shy and all that, but I'm just saying, come on, man. I'm just, shout, I'll shout out to all you Christians. There must be more, right? Mm -hmm. There must be something more out there for you guys.
No judgment, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Right. We talked. We talked about uh, you know kind of God wanting that reconciliation, right? Um, and you know how that's that that's the goal. That's the that's the that's one of the main purposes of the gospel. So how, like, in in what's happening now? We talked about what's happening in the states, particularly with um, you know the Black Lives Matter movement and you know the, these racial movements. How 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 do we as Christians like how do we respond to to this uh, you know like this quest for reconciliation in that in that area? I don't know. I think one of the first things is I think you got to make some friends outside your race. Mm. You know, I mean, have some diversity in your life. You know, push yourself outside your comfort zone. Um, I I really don't like churches that are uh, homogeneous. Right. Uh, it's just not a reflection of heaven. And so, like, reach out and, you know, and then offer, like, so how do you make friends? Like, proximity, right? Mm. You got to be near the people. Um, be in the in the places where people are at that have, like, diversity. I enjoy living in Vancouver because my wife, I, my wife and I walk around and then walk around Falls Creek and then we, we like, play this game of counting how many people have different i mean we play this game of like uh, how many languages we can hear mm. people speaking i think last time we counted seven wow. like just one one 20 minutes draw and i thought diversity you just gotta go and find some diversity uh, but if you if i was living in america i would try to uh, offer my services or serve in a church at least voluntarily. I don't know. This is the lack of, a, like, you just sprung that question on me. I haven't really thought it through. But <laughs> I think one of the things I would do if I was in L.A., I would try to go to a church that's predominantly African-American. And I would mm-hmm. ask, posture myself to learn, to educate myself, and to serve. Serve. That's one of the first things I would do. Mm-hmm. Um and protest, and you know, in your silent way, protest. But you got to do more than protest. You're going to actually proactively do something. Mm-hmm. Everybody, if everyone does something, the world will change. Mm-hmm. That's my perspective. Just one person. Show kindness to that one person, right? And then if a million people showed kindness to one person, that's a million people's lives changed. Right. So I think I that's think- what I would do. It's getting even more like in in today's in today's world. It's getting even more um, easy to stay within your bubble, to stay within your because it's so comfortable. You know, you got like Steve was talking about the Netflix and just kind of like staying in this kind of like cushioned room with all the same type of people that you grew up with. I, I hear that happens in Vancouver a lot that people just kind of stay with the same small group of people and they don't really venture out. And, um, and people are scared to venture out, I think, or, you know, cause there's, there's, uh, you know, risk of humiliation. There's a risk of, um, not being accepted. Um, there's discomfort, right? So in, in doing those, in, in doing those things. So how do we overcome that discomfort? Like as Christians, as people that want to, um, you know, to venture out, 
And like, we can even talk about some, like some examples in the Bible where there were, um, you know, where, where, cause I feel like it's really easy to be comfortable now. Like we were talking about, it's just so easy to just, I have my four or five friends that I gang like, and we're all homogenous in the same race, the same, going through the same things. Um, but you know, I, I agree with you a hundred percent that to, to really gain a different perspective, you need to put yourself in other people's shoes and to put yourself into people's shoes, you need to become friends with them and build relationships with them and learn and see their perspective, uh, from, 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 um, you know, from, from their side of, of the table. So like, how do we venture out? Well, that's a whole different, like, <laughs> that's like EI, emotional intelligence, right. social skills and all that combined together. But I think at the end of the day, I think the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of discomfort. Hmm. And I think comfort is the enemy of faith. Ooh, yeah. So whenever you're live, you're trying to live out a life of faith, it's always discomfort. Hmm. It's always a challenge. So I, I know whenever I'm comfortable, I'm going through, I'm cruising through life. I'm like, okay, what are, what are the things that God is calling me to do? And I'm not doing hmm. So I, I know that my wife and I have lived our lives that way. We made we make bold moves. And we just put ourselves in situations where we don't know what's coming next or put ourselves out there. Like I I decided long ago, this is just an example. I decided one I read a book, this seven hundred and fifty page book about North Korea. I just wanted to figure it out. Right. So I, I read this book in a month. It was just riveting. It's called Under the Care of the Loving Heavenly Father or something like that. I have to look it up. But um, it's a guy who I think Wall Street Journal journalist wrote a book about North Korea. Right. And it's like, whatever you want to know. And then after that, I said to I, I prayed and I said, God, I want to go to North Korea one day. Hmm. And then within a year, I got an opportunity to go to North Korea. Right. So God is like, you, did you mean that prayer? You really want to do that? Yeah. And I had to think about it like, okay, as a Canadian, I can go to North Korea. If I was South Korean, I wouldn't be able to, but okay. I said, okay. So I went to North Korea on a humanitarian mission. I had to kind of lie. I said I was an NGO CEO or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of technically true, like a church charity. Right. But I couldn't tell them I was a pastor or a Christian. Uh, I had to wait in the North Korean border of... Vladivostok, Hunchen, like China, Russia, and North mm-hmm. Korea. There was a corner, like a border, remote border there. And then I waited. And then I got the visa and I went in. Uh, man, that was one of the scariest times of my, like two nights in North Korea was, I thought I was going to, they took my passport. They were following okay. me everywhere. They were asking me the same questions every day to trip me up to see if I was lying on my visa application. Uh but that was very discomforting. Like mm-hmm. I prayed every night. The, there was darkness. There's no lights in the night. You can't even see in front of you. You can't even see your hand in front of you. Like literally mm. you have to be guided by a flashlight. Somebody who's like guiding you. Right. So that I did that three years in a row. Uh, we built like a orphanage daycare center there. Mm-hmm. For $50,000, we built this huge daycare center. Wow. Crazy. But... What I'm saying is, well, I prayed it, God gave me the opportunity, and then I had to obey it. Faith mm-hmm. is just obedience. 
discomforting. Right. And you can choose to be comfortable or you can choose to be discomforted. And if you want to do something for Christ, you want to do something for God, uh, you got to make some bold moves. Hmm. And that's when God shows up, right? That's when he, the wind of God shows up and like the sail starts to move and then your boat starts to go. Right. So when you were in North Korea, how did you feel that God was with you? Like in, in what moments or was he always there with you? Or like Well, I can feel him with me the whole time, but... Right doesn't mean I wasn't scared, man. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a human being. <laughs> I mean, I hear stories. Actually, we, when the area I went, there was another missionary or a guy from Edmonton who opened up a dental pl clinic for these North Koreans because they can't afford it. After I left, he actually got arrested. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's no joke. It's real. And another Toronto pastor got arrested he was in i think he was there for a long time he was mm -hmm. arrested under house arrest in north korea wow it was big news in canada it's a mm -hmm. guy from i think it's called big light church or something uh pastor from toronto mm -hmm. but you know i was in the same area i could have been arrested mm -hmm. they took my passport uh you know they it's pretty intense it's like it's intense. I can't even talk to the locals. I can't look at them. It's like really intense. Wow. I can't talk about Jesus. I can't do any any of that stuff. Yeah. But I did. Secretly, I would pray for some people. And I knew, I'm sure they knew that I was praying for them, but I did it without embarrassing them. Right. Wow. But I think um, I was scared, but I, I knew my philosophy is like, I went to I went to Mombasa when there are terror threats. Mm -hmm. I went to Uganda when the when there was an Ebola outbreak. Mm. My philosophy is like if God really wants me to go, um, that's the safest place I could be on the planet mm. because I'm in God's will. Right. And if I die, I die. But um, in Mombasa, I had they had like you know there's actually terrorists there. Mm -hmm. because it's close to Somalia. Mm -hmm. So there's like posters of me everywhere because I'm doing a conference. There's, so it stands out because there's all these like Africans right. and you see this Asian face everywhere <laughs> right. on the streets. I'm like, do you guys really have to put these posters everywhere? And they're like, yes, how, how are we going to advertise mine? They're like, they're <laughs> like, come on, brother, we got to advertise. And there's, there's like posters of me everywhere, even in the right. bathroom, outhouse, there's like posters of me. <laughs> And so everybody knows I'm there, right? And I'm having holding these large conferences or big conf conferences everywhere. And then, and then they, there's uh, instances of where terrorists come and throw grenades into a prayer meeting. Wow. Or, mm. you know, because there's no security. It's a tent. Mm. So just throw a grenade. Wow. And I went to an area near Matwapa, which is two hours away from Mombasa, but close to the Somalia border. After I left, two weeks later, Somali terrorists came, the Al-Shabaab terrorists came down and killed 200 students there. Hmm. Not in my school, but in that area. Not in the area I was in, but a school nearby, and then 200 university students died. So I'm not saying, do, you know, don't, don't be unwise and just do things like, just because for Jesus told me, Jesus, you feel like I got to do this or whatever. You just really pray about it. But, but if you really feel like that's what you're supposed to do, I think that's the safest place. Like God will protect you. 
so in that moment, in, in those moments of contemplation, in those moments of discernment, like how do you discern like what's, what God wants during, during that time? Like it is. Well, it's never, it's never momentary. It's well okay. thought out, prepared, um, like longevity of thought, no, not like impulsive or instinctual. Right. Um, and I get a lot of confirmation from my mentors, people. Mm. And I see, I try to <clears throat> confirm it with lots of signs. Mm-hmm. And then reading the word, just like meditating every day and just really getting that peace in my heart. Mm-hmm. And also confirmation with your wife. Like you need unity. And right. my wife lets my wife not lets me go, but agrees like that that's God's will and you gotta mm-hmm. go do it. Um and then your community back you and they're praying for you. And you right. have prayer prayer support. So I had a lot of that before I did stuff like that. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend just like one day, I feel like I'm going to go to Somalia. Right. I would say, no. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, they really got to, really got to pray about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, like get some, you got to be sent. You got to have some people like supporting you. I had, I had a network of people supporting me and praying, praying for me. And then also asking me to go there. Mm Mm-hmm do something. It wasn't just me deciding. People asked me to go there and do stuff. Right. So I had an opportunity. So I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a really, just to, just to kind of cement that in, that's a really great recap of how to, you know, during that period of, during that grotto period, during that period of like uh, contemplation, you know, in prayer, seeing signs, getting wisdom from mentors, um, asking your partner um, or someone that you really trust if you're not married. Um, you know, if it's, if it's the right decision as well, and if it's really calling you, it's really, um, you know, if there's like an itch, right. If there's like a, and it's not just like, like a mosquito bite itch, but it's something that's like, um, you know, more, uh, more long lasting than really taking that to, um, yeah, to heart. Um, and cause I think, I feel like people feel like feel that itch, but then they, they let a lot of other things come into their mind to distract them from from, you know, venturing out, like we, we kind of talked about. So, you know, um, is like, like doubt and distraction and other things like that. Yeah, I, I think, I think so. Like I, I work with a lot of young people, um, and there there's, there's just like this fear. I don't know if it was how they were raised, uh, by their parents, by not their spiritual father, but by their parents, there's, there's this lack of bravery, um, that I find as a general, um, as just like a general topic of, of, of young people nowadays that I, that I, that I talk to, um, there's just this general like unwillingness to like go outside of their, like stretch themselves a little bit or push themselves a little bit, or, um, you know, be willing to, in a lot of cases in in my industry, just, uh, being, uh, in business, um, you know, humiliating yourself almost like there's this, uh, there's this chance that you're going to have egg all over your face. And I don't know if it's the structure of our school system or it's kind of the direction of parenting nowadays, but, uh, there is a, you know, there, there's this general theme that's kind of happening with people now that they're really like falling, like they're insulating. It feels like they're like, they're not like kind of being overprotected. Yeah. And they're always sheltered. Just, yeah. Really kind of feeling really like insulating themselves all the time. And they're just, they're creating this thickness around them. And it's hard to penetrate that. Mm. And, uh, and I feel like, and we can talk about it biblically, 
I don't think that's, it doesn't feel like that's what God wants from his people. And that's kind of what I feel is, is what I'm seeing a lot of nowadays. And, you know, we want, um, like one of my goals is to break people out of that. They're they're making their own prison in a lot of cases. So it's kind of, you know, so obviously one of the missions of the podcast is to, is to encourage people to venture out. Right. Mm, Like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people have control issues. Yeah, exactly. They want to control their lives and make sure they never, ever get embarrassed or fail or, <clears throat> which is probably going to like, you, you're not going to succeed in that. Mm-hmm. That's like a delusion. You are going to fail. You are going to embarrass yourself in life. Right. Maybe to different degrees. I guess you maybe you'll save yourself from big embarrassment, big failures. But um, at the end of the day, then you then you're not gonna live, mm-hmm. right? It's like my favorite movie is Braveheart. Right. I'm I'm dating myself. People yeah. are like, "What is Braveheart?" <laughs> <love> Braveheart. <laughs> Freedom. Go watch. Go watch it, man. Yeah. <laughs> go watch Braveheart. You know, like that. They're about to fight the English army, and he says he rides back and forth with his horse, and he's painted. His face is painted, and he says, "Everyone, every man." He says, every man dies. That's my Scottish accent. <laughs> but not every man lives, right? And then it's like, that's the, that's the, I, mean, I remember watching that movie and I sat in the movie theater for 20 minutes after and I thought, this is like more Christian than any other movie I've seen. Hmm. It's like fighting for truth, being bold, hmm. living for truth no matter what the cost. At the end of the day, he gave his life for it. Right. And then he left a legacy and inheritance. Like, I guess I I always tell the young people, I'm like, live for three generations down. Live for three generations down. Sorry, can you explain that? So don't live your life for your life. Live your life as if your great, great grandchildren are going to look at your life and learn from it three generations down. So I, that's how I try to live three generations down. What are my great grandchildren, great, great grandchildren? What are they going to say about mm-hmm. me? What are they going to like, how are they going to look upon my life and then learn from that? What are they going to learn? Right. Are they going to learn to be scared, be safe, just live a normal life, buy a house, mm-hmm. live in it and then die. Or are you going to be bold? You're going to live an adventure. You may die early. But yet at the end of the day, uh, you left a legacy and inheritance for them. Mm-hmm. Because as a Christian, even though we die, we don't die. So whatever you do on this earth is going to count for not just eternity, but for your generations to come. Right. So unless you're going to live in a bubble with no children, you're going to go live in Alaska by yourself in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. If you're planning to have some children and then grandchildren and you're going to leave a legacy, you better leave a good one. So, I think I think that's so important to know because a lot of people don't have that long-term vision for their life. They're probably just living for the next quarter or the next year. So I think that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. That's that's something we can probably explore because I think if we have, it starts with that vision. Mm-hmm. And then when we have that long-term vision of, you know, three or four generations, it gives us that courage to face the hard things that we need to overcome. 
So maybe we can cover that in the future oh, yeah. podcast. I, I, I think so for sure, you know, with putting things into that perspective, into that, um, you know, that, yeah, putting things into that perspective that, you know, there's these, there's this butterfly effect, there's this ripple effect to mm -hmm. the actions and then the thoughts and the feelings and the, um, you know, the outcomes of, of your life, right? Um, and there are impacts, um, not only uh, in this world, but, uh, you know, spiritually to your, to, to generations um, that will follow you, I think. Uh, and, you know, in the Bible, we, there's so many generations, like talks of, you know, from, you know, Abraham to, you know, to, to Isaac and all the other kind of, like, uh, how that kind of flows through. And, uh, and I feel like that's, that's shown really clearly in my limited knowledge of the Bible, <laughs> but, uh, that's shown really clearly. And, you know, I think it's really exciting to, um, to, to kind of gain that perspective because, um, because yeah, you know, like I was saying, it's just, it's, it's so easy to be comfortable now. Like you hear these 30 and 40 and fifth, like even 30 and 40 and 20, like late 20 year old, mm. you know, a lot of young men, yeah. you know, they're like, they they haven't ventured out. They're just kind of staying in their homes, like staying with their parents and kind of just like living this kind of like perpetual childhood, right? And um it's the the you know, it's this conversion of to um adulthood and, and to like be a um like a trusted servant of God, right? A trusted uh um apostle, you know, like uh you know, like one of the um, or sorry, disciple, you know, um, this whole, uh, yeah. So just, it's, you know, it, it's, it's really, um, it's good to have that perspective because I think that people don't have that perspective right now. You know, I feel like we can almost unpack the life of Abraham. Sure. Yeah. And, and like, cause he was called out from, from I think the Chaldees. Right. And like, mm -hmm. he was basically the forefather of, of Israel. Right. So maybe we can unpack like what does that look like having this call to adventure, call to yeah. the new land of unknown, mm -hmm. venturing out and growing and trusting in God's um, leading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that'll probably wrap. Oh yeah, is that, wrap is that, up. Is that wrapping up the yeah. first pod? But yeah. yeah, the second pod. That's um, our producer saying that's yeah. a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wrap. And I think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk a lot of uh, different topics. You know, we started one. You know, we started with talking about kind of what's happening politically right now in the states. Um, just to kind of uh, summarize, um, you know, with racial inequities, um, you know, with what's happening with the pandemic, and uh, you know, I think um, it, I gained a lot of practical insight on on you know, th ways to think and moving ahead in, in contemplation and, and the rest of it. So um, thanks so much for listening to the Grotto podcast with Steve, Kim and Michael Yu. Uh, if you like this podcast, uh, please rate it five out of five uh, stars on whichever podcast uh, uh, app that you're listening to it. Uh, write us a review and, uh, you know, feel free to interject with some different topics and things that you want to hear about from Steve and myself and from Josh. And uh, until next time, thank you for listening to the Grotto Podcast.